Hello and welcome to the TIC Midweek Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Palma. I'm so glad you're here. This season, we are going through the book of Colossians, and this is a great book about the supremacy of Jesus, about the power of the gospel, and the way we should live in response to what Jesus has done for us. So may God bless you as you listen. May He open the eyes of your heart and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding, and may He fill you with power that you may be transformed to be more like Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Well, today we are looking at Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians, or the letter to the church at Colossae, was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison, most likely between A.D. 60 and 62. There were a couple different issues that he was looking to address, and one of those was pluralism or syncretism and the combining of different religions. The Roman world had so many different gods, a pantheon of gods, and so many different cultures, and so people just need to add on their own religion uh, to the Roman religion and, and to offer sacrifices to the local gods, uh, to Caesar himself, and so... In Colossae, this would have been a temptation for the early believers to combine worship of Jesus with other religions. He is also seeking to protect the church from false teachers who would say that Jesus is not enough for them or the gospel is not enough. And he points out the way that they need to live in light of the gospel. Well, let's start out. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. An apostle is an envoy or a messenger. And so Paul is establishing his authority to write them this letter. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus uh, by the will of God. And so he's saying, I didn't choose this position. God chose me I am a messenger of Christ Jesus. And so right from the beginning, he's establishing his authority uh, to instruct them. And it says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Saints, it means holy ones. And so Paul is, is identifying them. He's giving them an identity. He says, you are holy. And of course, we know that any church is full of imperfect people. So it's not that they are holy or saints because of their behavior, but because of what Christ has done. And we see that when he says you to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. And so that in Christ reorients their whole life. They're, they're not in Colossae, not in the Roman Empire. They are in Christ. And so for their whole life, all of life, they are have a new orientation, and it is Jesus. He calls them faithful brothers. He's encouraging them, saying that that they obey Jesus. They do what's right. Um, and he says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. That grace, Paul loves grace. It is the unmerited favor that comes from God. Uh, the peace is what we as believers have with God because of Christ. He's uh, not at an enmity with us. We don't need to be afraid of his judgment because of Christ. There is peace. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So here, 
we see that Paul is giving thanks to God and thanking God uh, in the Hebrew world was acknowledging what God has done, what he is doing, what he will do. It's his actions on our behalf. And the idea was that you wanted to evoke a response in others. You would call people publicly to praise God for what he has done. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, when he, he requires, we have to submit to his lordship. We have to obey him, but he's giving thanks when he prays. Why? Well, verse 4 and 5 tell us, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So Paul is giving thanks to God because he's heard of the faith of the believers at Colossae, that they trust Jesus. They believe in Jesus. And out of that faith, they love other believers. They are expressing their love, not just emotionally, but it would have been in the way they take care of one another, the way they support one another, the way they serve one another. And why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, what's motivating the faith and the love? It is the understanding of the hope they have in Christ, that the hope that they are right with God, the hope of eternal life, the hope of being Jesus with Jesus forever. They see that in front of them, and it is motivating the way they live out their faith. Now, verse 6, it's our, the end of verse 5, it says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And so the hope, the faith, the love, it is all springing forth from the word of the truth, the gospel. Now, Paul is is cutting away the syncretism, the pluralism. He is, he is saying, this is the truth. And in today in our age, when, when people say there are many ways, there are many gods, there are different saviors. No, Jesus does not allow that. The gospel does not allow it. There is one way. Uh, and the gospel is not static. It is alive. Paul says it's growing, it's bearing fruit among you, it's increasing. And the the truth of the gospel is that whoever gets it, when you get the gospel in your heart, when it becomes alive in in you and the way you live, it grows, it increases. Why? Because you, when you understand how much Jesus loves you, what he's done for you, the hope that you have, you have to love other people, you have to serve other people, you have to share with other people. And so it naturally grows. And and Paul is saying, since you heard and understood this, the grace of God in the truth, it's been growing. And, you know, Paul says it's, it's, over the whole world. It's bearing fruit over the whole world. Now, he, he's using a little bit of hyperbole there. We know the gospel had not getting, gotten to, to South America, for instance, at that point. Oh, and so, but he's saying it, it's spreading all over. Uh, verse 7, it says, Just as you learned it from Epiphras, our f- beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now, Epaphras, Paul 
declares that he is a fellow servant. And English softens that a little bit, uh, but the word is also a slave. And uh, he is a, a faithful minister of Christ. What Paul is, is saying is that Ephaphras works for Jesus. He is a servant of Jesus. He is a slave of Jesus, uh, a faithful minister uh, for his brothers and sisters in Colossae. And, and we want to see that, that Paul identifies himself not as a ruler or as a lord, but as a servant and Ephaphras as a servant. And, and this is a model for us to follow, that we would identify as servants of Christ, slaves of Christ, who work for the sake of the gospel. Verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul hears about their faith. He hears about their love. And, you know, certainly he hears about other needs and problems in the church. But what is the focus of his prayer? His prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, the knowledge of his will is not the unique will for each individual believer. But what it is, is the, this knowledge is the knowledge of the gospel. It's his, God's will for salvation, uh, God's will for the kingdom to move forward. Uh, and so he's asking for the spiritual wisdom and understanding that they would see and understand uh, what God wants to do in this world through the gospel, the salvation that he wants to offer, the hope that we have in heaven, that they would come to a deeper understanding. And why? Verse 10, so you are so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so if we walk through this, starting at the end, it says increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, this is why we read the Bible. This is why we go to Bible studies. This is why we listen to sermons. I think we all have this expectation that we need to grow in knowledge of God. Uh, But it's not just knowledge about God for the Hebrews. Knowledge was was an intimate thing. And, and so, you know, it's one thing to read about a place in an encyclopedia or to read it in a blog post online. It's another thing to go and be in that place or to read about someone online and then to know them. Uh, Paul wants the believers at Colossae to know God, to have knowledge of him. Uh, He wants them to live a life that is worthy of Jesus, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. It's so easy to be focused on living a life that pleases us, that I want my life to please me, to be what I want. But Paul uh, puts the focus on living a life pleasing to Jesus Uh, You can walk in a way um, that represents sin, that represents self, or you can live in a way that represents Jesus, that's worthy of Jesus. And so there's this incredible grace that Paul says we've received from God, uh, the salvation that we've received. And yet there's also on the other side, the need to live out the gospel, to obey, to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus. And and so the next thing Paul prays in verse 11, he says, you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. 
Now, Paul is, is saying the strength comes from God and all power, God's power is sufficient for all of our needs. His might is glorious. There is nothing that God is not strong enough for. And he, he wants them to be strengthened so that they would endure uh, and they would have patience with joy. It's likely they're being persecuted or ostracized by their communities for following Jesus. Uh, it's not easy to hold on to faith. We go through trials. We go through disappointments. We go through pain. And Paul is asking God to give them the power to not give up because he recognizes that even though we walk, we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we are dependent upon God's strength to do so. And Again, we need to be patient uh, with joy. The Christian life is a joyful life, not a miserable life. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This this section is so loaded. Uh, The father, God is a father. This is how we relate to him, not as distant, not as a CEO, not as a boss, not as the old man. He is our father uh, and he has qualified us to share in the inheritance. It's not our own good deeds. It's not our own works. God took the action to qualify us, to enable us uh, to share in the inheritance. We have an inheritance. We have something that is coming to us. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness uh, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. The domain of, of darkness, what that is telling us is that the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, has power. It can uh, influence people. It can hold people in bondage. And Paul is saying we were in bondage, but God redeemed us. He rescued us into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love and peace and joy. And we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of our sins is not in our own effort. It is in Christ. And so, you know, right at the beginning of this letter, Paul is celebrating the faith, the love, and the hope of the Colossians, and he is praying for them that God would give them more wisdom and understanding, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that God would strengthen them and and really fill them with the joy of knowing that they have been saved and so as you go to your connect group, there's many things to discover. What, is, what do we learn about the gospel f- from uh, this passage? Uh, how does Paul pray, and how does that compare to most of our prayers? How should we be praying for the church? And there'll be many other questions to ask, but my prayer for you is that God would give you spiritual wisdom and understanding and help you to see Jesus uh, in greater and more glorious ways so that you may walk in a manner worthy of him. God bless you. I hope you were encouraged by this episode of TIC Midweek, but even more than that, I hope you have a greater desire to become more like Jesus. If you are not yet in a connect group, I want to encourage you to go to our website, indicate your interest that you would like to be in a group. It is one of the best ways 
to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And if you have not yet attended one of our worship services and you live in the Taipei area, we'd love to host you. On a Sunday morning, you can go to our website, www.taipeichurch.org, and find out about our service location and times. May God bless you. Have a great week.